Hey, this is Russell, and I have the greatest job in the world. I work at the video store, the one that is just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. I love this job so much because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. And interesting people pop in to rent something all the time. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching on all the streaming platforms and out in cinemas here in South Africa. Today is a very special episode. It is our birthday episode. Let's get into it. Let's open up the shop. How's it, guys? Good morning. 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 Hey, we got everyone here. <laughs> All four of us? All four of us. It's a busy day. Right. It is a busy day and it is a special day. Oh, yeah? Right. Uh, today, we have worked out is effectively our birthday. Yay. Woo! Oh, happy birthday. Our, our one-year birthday. Yes. And, um, yeah, this time last year, we put out our first episode. And I just want to say um, it's been amazing. Yeah, and it's been a great time. It has been a very fun time. And I have all of you guys to thank. So we've got uh, Cole, who is one of the most eloquent, knowledgeable <laughs> people I know. Thank you. Also the first guest on the show. The first guest. Oh, he was our, he yeah. was our, you were the, yeah, you were the, the person I, I sort of saw I needed um, to make this show happen. And so I'm grateful to have you. Why, we've you. got Graham, who is watching. Hi. Watching a movie every day. Yeah, that's fine. And sticking to it. Yeah. And testament to um, just how he's the right person for this job. Yeah. He also edits and put together, uh, puts together all the, the, the shows. That's me. So thank you for all your effort. Yeah. Graham, thanks that's for a being a part of it. And then we got Gaddy over here. Hey, hey. Who, who makes candy and has a fat pug. <laughs> very relevant to the show. That's true, though. And is yeah, he's a he's a member of the band that I'm also in, Short Straw. For those who haven't picked that up yet, and we've we've spent many um, we've spent many years together talking a lot about this kind of stuff. So it was important that Gad was a part of this journey too. Cool. And Russell messages me hours before publishing that uh, he needs text for. Episode. Yes, yes, Gad does the <laughs> scrolls on all the artworks for all the episodes. Also a valuable member of the team. Because cool. I'm too lazy to make my own font. <laughs> you should. He should make. He should make a font. Yeah. You really should. It'll be great. Um, you're gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. It's okay. probably easier than I thought. Think. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Um, we had ourselves um, a, a chat about the Mario Brothers movie, the original live action gem from the yeah. 90s and um, we realized it would be a really good screening at the bioscope and yeah. as the video store we've created this video store presents night and so it is going to be at the time of this recording this coming saturday so saturday the 17th of june at 6 p.m tickets are available at the bioscope.co.za we're going to do a special screening of this original super mario brothers movie so I, I wasn't part of the original chat yeah but that is one of my childhood like movies we know this that's <laughs> yeah. why we wanted you to this be is, a part of it yeah, yeah. it's I, I can't tell you how many times i've watched that movie it's ridiculous <laughs> it's 
bizarre, like going back and watching it now. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's an it's an anti-fascist, anti-cop masterpiece. Come watch for children. Sequel to right. Brazil. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so much to say about why it's great yeah. and why it's excellent. And yeah. also young John Luguizamo. How do you pronounce his surname? Luguizamo. Yeah, is oh he can get it. <laughs> he yeah. can get it. He could get it. Luigi. <laughs> Never thought I'd have a thing for Luigi, but Yoshi, here we are. Yoshi, those lizard people, yeah. oh, this face with the small so faces. Weird. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Okay, so you love it, Gad? You think it's you there's think it's some, worth the rewatch? There's some like knee slapping moments in that movie. <laughs> it is insane. It's so stupid. <laughs> okay. All right. So come down to the bioscope for a special screening of that. We're gonna make a little birthday party out of it. Woo! Which is very exciting. <laughs> Uh, you haven't seen it yet, hey, Graham? Uh, many years ago. Oh, so you have yeah. seen it? Yeah. Okay. In, in childhood, I haven't seen it since. So. Okay. <laughs> we'll see whether it, yeah. yourself. This, yeah. it holds up. Um, we had ourselves a really cool um, week last week, which we'll talk about. We watched two uh, movies which are coming out, mm-hmm. one of which is Transformers, and the other one, which is a special screening of The Flash, which is going to hit cinema soon. Um, but before we get into that, uh, this week on the show, to celebrate our birthday, we've got the Kiffness, a good friend of ours, Dave Scott, who over the course of pretty much the same career span as, yeah. as Short Straw um, has created this phenomenon <laughs> known as the Kiffness. Um, we get through uh, a great chat about the whole history of, of how it all came to be and some of these really kind of key videos that have made him. Um, usually on the show, the idea is that People come into the shop to rent something. Um, this one's a little different. I yeah. actually go to him. Old um, school Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Old school Netflix, you're right. Um, yeah, he, he lives in Plet. Mm. So when I was on holiday, I made a point to um, get in touch with him and I went to his house and, and we recorded this episode there cool. in the comfort of his house <laughs> in his sort of special studio in the back. Um, oh, where all the magic happens. Where all the magic happens. <laughs> I literally say that. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and he's an interesting dude. He 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 actually is quite quiet mm. in 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 real life when you chat to him. Um, and um, and he kind of speaks through his music, which yeah. is often quite silly and fun. And in some cases, it's it's been more politicized, which we get to. But um, it was cool to actually like hear it from him, yeah. hear the stories from him. And um, and so it was a great chat. So we'll get into that in a bit later. But let's just touch on. The movies we saw. Yes. Uh, Transformers. Yeah. Thoughts, feelings. It's a, Boy, <laughs> is it a Transformers movie. <laughs> it sure is. So, Gaddy. Lots of metal on metal, I'm assuming. Yeah. Lots of like... <laughs> <laughs> But here's yeah. the here's the clincher, yeah. which uh, because Gad, you were too sick, so you couldn't join us last week. Yeah, I missed all the screenings. So, so Transformers starts, and it's this like dramatic family story. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And and they really like sink their teeth into setting up the characters, mm. which there was a point where I turned to Cole. I'm like, what fucking movie are we watching? <laughs> where the Transformers? <laughs> it's about like the main character uh, is in this kind of single mom household, and they've got to look after their younger brother, which seems to have some kind of he he's got some kind of ailment. And let me guess, the movie transformed. <laughs> hey. My God! Um, hold those, hold those. Puns. Been spending a couple months um, around a kid, God, yeah. Yeah. Make dad jokes, stepdad jokes. Yeah. Um, and um, and and so they set this whole thing up. It's dramatic. They can't afford the kids' health care, and and it's oh, this gosh. whole like family drama. Yeah. And you're like, what movie are we watching? Yeah. 
And then the aliens arrive, and then yeah. you're like, okay, now it's just a Transformers movie. Yes. Yeah. This is like a resetting. It's not a sequel. It seems to be a resetting. Yeah, I think it's more a sequel to Bumblebee. I think yeah. Bumblebee kind of serves as like a reboot yeah. from the Michael Bay films. And, and it's very largely set in the 90s. Yeah, this, which didn't really one. affect anything in any way. It could have been set in current day and it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. yeah. you know. I know nothing about the movie except it was a reference to Bowser that shouldn't have been there. Really? <laughs> in the Mario game. Because he's like, I got to the Bowser level on the Mario oh, game. Oh, yes. Yeah, the Mario game playing. hadn't existed in the video it was set. Oh, oh what? Yeah. But, it was, okay. but it was cool. It was fine. It was like, it's a, it's, yeah, as you said, it's a Transformers movie. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a movie that is based on a cartoon that was literally made to sell toys, yeah. that's why the cartoon existed, yeah. about robots that turn into, uh, into things. Is yeah. Michael Bay it's not the involved that. anymore? He's still a producer. He's still so, a, so what's with the reset? If it's still I think Bay. people are just sick of the other ones. They didn't really like they what Michael Bay was doing. Yeah. They went different metal on metal. Well, yeah. it's, just yeah. a, it's just, as you said, it's just a vehicle to make money. And yeah. So they bashed out another one. Yeah. And the easiest way to do that is to reset it. Yeah. But an interesting thing I was thinking of was about when the alien robots really came to and this yeah. movie turned into a Transformers movie, as we've said, there was a point where I was like... I'm too old for this shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is not made for me. I'm in my late 30s. Hmm. Like, this is not even hitting a nostalgia for me. Like, who is this movie for? And I realized it's, you've got these two brothers, a really younger boy, and then the older boy who's the main protagonist is probably, what, 19, 20? Yeah, something like that. That's the age gap. Right. Between those two boys. Yeah. Like, that's who this movie is for. And then so also, I was way too old for it. Also, people who are our age who grew up with Transformers. I don't think any of us really watched who it as kids. have kids, kids that well, they now need to entertain. Yeah, kind of. But people, I mean, I think you, I think we, we underestimate the power of nostalgia that people Maybe, will, yeah. The I had a lot of toys, but I to. never had a Transformer. Oh, right. Yeah, but yeah, I just felt like, okay, this is, you know, yeah, this yeah. is for kids. And, and so, yeah, good for them. Yeah, like, it does a good job of, like, characterizing them better than before like yeah. the Transformers feel like characters and you know it's got cool action and things turning into cars turning into robots and if that's okay. what you're looking for then you'll yeah. probably have fun alright well let's move on to that Yeah, move on from that let's talk about the fact that we watched a special screening of The Flash mm. okay which is now this is in the DC world yeah he's one of the main characters of the DC sort of team the Justice League and we saw him um, in previous movies, but we only sort of saw him as a, as, as a one member of an ensemble. Yeah. So now he's getting his final, he's getting his movie, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's the opposite of what Marvel did. Marvel did, did, all, right. the, did all the did all the <laughs> sort of establishing movies and yeah. then started assembling yeah. them. DC sort of did it in the opposite way. Um, but we saw a special cut, which was really yeah, interesting. An unfinished cut, they said. So I didn't even know this concept existed until we actually were sitting uh, down and they okay. introduced it. Yeah. Right. Where they were like, this isn't the final cut. It does. I don't think it happens often over here all that much, but in America, they'll screen unfinished stuff a lot yeah, so to test audiences. It didn't have a credit sequence. Yeah. We seem to think that perhaps the final, final moment reveal mm-hmm. was excluded. Maybe. It could be. Possibly. We don't know. Like so it's kind of interesting that we saw it, yeah. it's interesting that we saw this movie, but we mm. don't quite know what the final product is. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool that we saw the the beef of it. Yeah. And of course perhaps one or two CGI elements yeah, we're, we're still we needing. That's the thing, we, we don't so. know what visual effects incomplete. We don't know what was temp score. Yeah. You know. But overall, we liked it. Yeah. 
It was a lot of fun. It was a very fun movie. Yeah. And it looked different. So I think that was mm. the biggest thing for me. Because mm. it didn't feel as boring and bland as Marvel movies do. Yeah. And it didn't feel as indulgent as Zack Snyder's movies do. Is Keaton awesome? Um, yeah. Sorry? Uh, Keaton, is he awesome? Yeah. He's great. <sighs> yeah. cool. Yeah. Michael Keaton. Okay, so we should give a quick back of the box on this one. Yes. Like The Flash. Basically, it's The Flash discovers he can travel through time and decides to go back in time and prevent his mother from being murdered. Yeah. That's a big part of his character is that his mother was killed. His father was blamed for it, even though he knows his father is innocent. So did you know that whole story? Yes. Okay, I had no idea. So I was discovering this for yeah. the first time. Uh, and, and in doing, yeah, in, in this moment he discovers he can travel through time, he now is messing with time. Yes. And um, in messing with time, finds himself in the 90s where everything is different. And as a result, Batman hmm. is the Michael Keaton Batman. Yes. Yeah. And so they've allowed themselves this opportunity to go back and and play with that Michael Keaton Batman, which is, you know, the original Tim Burton Batman. And I love this because when thinking of something like Transformers, where I'm like, yeah. who's this for? Yes. This movie, I was like, this is for the people who know Tim Burton's Batman. Mm. This is for older people. Yeah. And I also just love the DC have given themselves the opportunity to be so much more uh, daring and more uh, explicit and more free. Yeah. Where Marvel's created a universe mm. and then in that universe they have to be quite PG. Yeah. They can be a little quippy and have a little joke here or there. But DC have, like when you look at the Joker, yeah. like that's a, violent movie yeah that is not for kids mm. and it's in a whole different universe to mm. the, the new universe that's coming out now yeah no, no totally but i'm just saying that in that freedom they haven't they haven't created one box for them yeah marvel's yeah. kind of trapped in their own formula it's been like yeah. that in the yeah. comics because there's this idea of it's called dc elseworlds yes. which is alternate universes which dc is really good at but yeah. yeah we can we can talk about that yeah let, let's yeah, go because we want to have a little chat about james gunn's all of his announcements so we can talk about it then yeah so um one one thing to mention um is also that Asteroid City is coming out soon. Yep. That's coming out this That's Friday. That's very exciting. And we are going to go and watch a special screening of that tomorrow. Yes. So we also, I just love the fact that we are now <laughs> watching these movies ahead of everyone and we're getting this like advanced screening, which, yeah. is, which is very exciting. Um, but we're going to get into the chat with the Kifnis in the moment. One thing to mention is the Kifnis has a new song mm. out. He, he does these awesome cat jam videos. <laughs> And uh, there's a new song called Sometimes I'm Alone, which oh, no. you two, Cole and Graham, with your cats would appreciate. <laughs> this cat sort of literally is meowing in such a way that it sounds like he's yeah. saying sometimes I think I'm it alone. just came out on Friday or this week, this weekend. It's coming out now. No, it is out. I've oh, watched yeah, it already. Yeah, the video is there, but now yes. he's releasing it oh, as on a, Spotify. On Spotify, like yes. as a song. Oh, called, nice. As a release. Um, which is this this Friday. Okay, but one last little shout out to our friends at Do Us Wine Yay. who are bringing us this episode. They are sponsoring this episode. Um, I've been enjoying a cheeky dry white box for the nice. last week. And because it's a box, there's so much more. So you, <laughs> it lasts a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, you can go over to doers.wine and we have ourselves a discount code, which is Video Store 10 where you can get 10% off your order of really great wine that comes in a box. And so that's why it's called Doers Wine. And it's really good wine. I, I can attest to it now. Nice. Amazing. I'm enjoying 
A very nice box of dry white. Cool. Um, link in the description. Link is in the description. All right. Um, let's get into it. This is the Kiffness popping in to read something. Diddy, how's it? Good. <laughs> Thanks for coming. So we are in your humble abode. Yes. Thank you for inviting me into the place where truly the magic happens. Um, a very sweet moment happened. I met your lovely wife and your um, beautiful baby boy. And he started crying the moment we headed towards the studio. What's, what was the story there? Yeah, so uh, my little boy, Sam, he, he often comes and joins me in the studio here. I, I show him what I've been up to. Yeah. Um, he loves the cat songs. <laughs> so, yeah, every time he sees me walking to the studio and, and he's not invited, he, he gets quite upset. Shame. He just started <laughs> crying now. So, Sammy, we must just let him know that we're not, we're not uh, watching cat videos now. Yeah. No, the key <clears> is for, for my wife to distract him with something else. He's got a little Casio keyboard that... Yeah, there are a lot of instruments on the floor. Yeah. It'd be good. Yeah, so, so the living room area has kind of become his area where he gets to play around with his keyboard. We've got a piano and, you know, various percussion instruments. So, yeah, yeah trying, to, trying to just introduce him to music at, subtly, a, at a young age. Subtly put it in there. Um, why, uh, what, what, what led you to Plet? Well, my wife's from Plet. Okay. Uh, this is where we met. Um, I'm sure you'll remember a little place called Surf Cafe where I think, oh, yeah. where I think <laughs> Short Straw has, has done a few gigs. <laughs> we drove faster now on the way to you and I actually pointed it out. I was like, yeah, we, we played a couple of shows there. Yeah, so that's actually where I found out about you guys because the owner Clayton was raving about you guys and Blue. I was about to say, is Blue still there? Blue is not there. He's living in Germany now okay. with his wife, Rina. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think Blue met Rina... At Surf Cafe, she was uh, from Germany just visiting, and yeah. now they've got two kids and, and living back in Germany. But yeah, Surf Cafe is a very special place to me. It's where I started pretty much as the Kiffness. Okay, and so were you also in Plet then? Yeah, so my parents have a holiday home here. Okay. And I would come and visit Plet, and in December's, you know, we started, you know, experimenting with this project called the Kiffness. Yeah. Um, my brother entered us into the Plate Battle of the Bands, which was at Market Square outside Pick and Pay. <laughs> what year was this? This was 2010. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we had never performed before, uh, but my brother entered us into this competition and, you know, I, I'd just been making beats in my bedroom. And, yeah. you know, by putting us into this comp, it forced me to learn how to play all this stuff live. So my brother and I kind of knuckled down for a week or two figured it out, and we ended up winning the competition. Look at you. Uh, from there, started playing at places like Surf Cafe, where we were playing to a whole lot of people, you know, just having dinner. Yeah, I was about to say, when, when Shortstraw played Surf Cafe, there weren't a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> there were more people on the stage sometimes. But yeah. it was so much fun, and Blue was cool, and he made us do um, Vuvuzela funnels. Oh, did yes. Ever did you ever have to do those? Plenty, yeah. <laughs> no, Blue, Blue definitely was a, a bit of a party animal back then. Still is, actually. Probably, probably never dies, yeah. Yeah, he actually came to our show in, in Berlin, or my show. I've started a solo show where I'm doing all my cat remixes and stuff live. Yeah. And uh, he was backstage having beers with us. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Surf Cafe. Uh, 
you know, people people didn't get us in the beginning, but then slowly but surely, you know, people started moving their their dining room tables away, making a bit of a dance floor. And before we knew it, you know, we we were playing to sort of three, four hundred people in this tiny restaurant. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, that's where I met Yuta as well. She was working there, like sort of as a as a summer holiday job. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so very special. It's the start of my career where I met my wife. Oh, uh, lovely. Okay. And where I discovered Short Straw, the most hey! important thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you must have come to what? One of those shows that we played? Um, I just heard about you guys. I, I okay. don't think we ever actually crossed paths. But yeah, yeah they used to play your guys' music there. Oh, they, cool. They, they loved uh, Keanu Reeves and Surf Cafe. Lovely. Yeah. Um, and then, so then recently you made the call to move here. Yeah, so... Obviously, with my wife being here, her parents live here. My parents now live here. They've retired. Okay. Uh, my brother's here. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Yuta never actually wanted to come back here. But as soon as, you know, little Sam was on the way, uh, that uh, all changed. So it made sense. What, she, she's in the medical world, is she? What's she uh, My wife? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. My my dad is. My dad's, oh, okay. uh, he was a ENT. Okay. Um. I, I suppose she is in a small way because when I've got man flu, she okay, so she, she nurses me. <laughs> that's lovely, man. But uh, yeah, Yuta is a qualified teacher and oh, a, quali- a teacher. That's right. And a qualified chef. Oh, cool. Uh, but full time mom now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is full time now. Um, okay, I, I totally see the appeal of Plet. Uh, we've always come here as a band and we've done one or two things and we've done the Plet rages, which are perhaps yeah. more like in and out. But on this trip now, I, I see it. It's like a sort of calmer Cape Town. Yeah, no, totally. It's got a full appeal. Yeah. So are you digging it? Are you? Yeah, so we've been here, you know, just over half a year. And it is a little bit slower here. I mean, you know, if you order something off Take A Lot, it takes three times the amount the, of the time, time to get here. But I mean, that's a small price to pay. Yeah. A um, lot of, lot of uh, young families are moving here. Uh, we're just down the road from a park where we take Sam often and, you know, yeah. we meet all kinds of, of new families that have moved That's here cool. from Pretoria, Joburg, Cape Town. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think last year alone, I think there were about 400 families that moved here. So. Oh, wow. That's, as much as that, eh? Yeah. So that's it's quite a big influx of people. Yeah. And, yeah, it seems to be, you know, the general trend. Semigration. Semigration. Yeah. Um, So so it's yeah it's 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 a nice instead of having to move all the way to the UK or or Australia or whatever people are moving down to Plitz. But so much of your life is online. Yeah. So you could be anywhere, really. Totally. I mean, you're playing some shows, right? I'm very selective about the shows that I'm taking on these days. Yeah. Yeah, because. But you've thankfully got the airport right here that you could maybe hop on a flight. But let's just talk a little bit about the world now. It feels like, it's, as you said, it's it's been since 2010. So for me, I've seen it as a as as a as a long journey. But for others, it feels like you all of a sudden like super famous. Yeah. But um, perhaps what perhaps we could talk through some of the landmark moments. Yeah. Um. You know, we did that one song with you, which was lovely, Find A Way. That was when we really got to kind of see how you worked, which was cool. What were some of the, what were some of the big 
career moments for you? I'd say the biggest was getting to work with Short Straw. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, I, I guess my, my path has kind of been pretty slow and steady up until 2020, the uh, start of the, the pandemic. Yeah. You know, uh, I've been making, well, I've been working on the Kifna since 2010. And, uh, yeah, it started off just like playing shows at Surf Cafe and, you know, experimenting with this weird kind of electronic chiptune kind of music. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I kind of just kept going with that. I mean, chiptune's quite niche. Mm. Um, uh, so, so I kind of started introducing other instruments that I play, like the trumpet and you know, obviously other bands at the time like Goldfish and Good Luck were, were doing similar things and I drew quite a lot of inspiration from them. And uh, yeah, I started making kind of electronic live house, if I, if I can call yeah. it that. And uh, yeah, before I knew it, that stuff started, you know, doing quite well on radio. And through, you know, getting my songs on radio, which actually meant something at the time. Yeah. Um, it was a great, you know, great time. Yeah, 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 promoters started taking notice and started getting booked for bigger shows. So that was around 2014. I think our first kind of big single was uh, Where Are You Going with Matthew Gold. Mm. And um, yeah, I just started, you know, really, really hooking the shows from there mm. and, you know, carrying on in the same vein. Um, but I always kind of felt like, yeah, when I was making music for radio kind of had to tick all the radio boxes it had to kind of be a certain fit. yeah it had to be in a certain criteria you couldn't really um sing about uh, like wacky and zany things like mm. otherwise it wouldn't really be considered for the for the playlist yeah and so yeah i felt like i had to kind of compromise myself in a way to to get my stuff onto the radio and yeah, I guess fast forward to 2020 when, you know, the shows had suddenly stopped um, and I was sitting at home just, you know, twiddling my thumbs. Yeah. I thought it would be a good idea to to make some songs about what everyone in the whole world was going through, which was yeah. COVID. Yeah. And um, I took popular songs, changed the words around to kind of sing about what was going on and and that seemed to really work uh because suddenly i wasn't just you know uh appealing to a south african audience like i was appealing to to everyone around the world and yeah. people were were sharing my my songs on youtube and at the time i think i had about three thousand youtube subscribers and that quickly grew to seventy thousand in 2020 alone and then from 20 21 to 2022 that grew to a million because i'm looking here in this room that we're at and you've got this gold plaque which <laughs> yeah. is which is what youtube sends you hey yeah no so it's they, pretty so cool. they sent you as a as a creator for passing a million subscribers on youtube that's insane yeah it's, oh it's, you got the hundred thousand one first and then yeah. you got the gold one for a million i yeah. mean how does that how does that change you at that point? Like, what what is that? What does that? What does that? What does that feel like for you? Well, 
so so let's talk about the first block where I reached a hundred thousand subscribers. I think you know I was, I was able to get there through my parodies and yeah. you know singing about COVID related stuff. The timing is 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 the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so kind of just finding something that's that's topical, that's fun to do. I kind of just seemed to have a natural knack for it, and and it worked. So. Um, I think during that time, I, I started to realize, like, you know, this is something I could make a, a, a real career out of. And, and on that note, it's worth mentioning for those who don't necessarily know, is that you've been such a great advocate and voice for, for sort of teaching other musicians how they can get their money and how the money is there. Yeah. And I need to actually admit that we signed publishing with uh, Universal with the main um, royalty collection and that being the composer royalty, mm-hmm. which is you as the composer, which which could just be you writing it down on a piece of paper and handing it to an artist. Um, we had forgotten, funny enough, about the performer share. So basically every step of the way as a musician, mm-hmm. you are entitled to some form of royalty correct. Um, with the very first being the composer share. But then once you actually perform on the track, you can get a royalty as the performer, which doesn't necessarily even mean you wrote the song. Yep. You just were the session guitarist. Or whatever. Totally. So for us as musicians that write, record, put out, there's a whole string of, of, of stuff. Yeah. And there's an organization in that case for the performer called Sampra, Correct. Which we thought we were actually being looked after out of sheer ignorance. And then I realized, thanks to you, we had completely forgotten about that one. And so we had five, six years of back catalog money, Yeah, which we claimed and got. I I was in the same boat. You know, Sampro, Samro, they all kind of sound the same. Yeah, and I thought that Universal looks after that. And they're like, no, we don't. We don't look after you as a as a as a performer. Yeah, that's you on your own. You you got to look after that. Yeah, so I mean, we've we've done some covers in the past. Uh, let's take Sugarman for example. With that, if our cover plays on the radio, the the composer royalties should hopefully go to Rodriguez. Yeah, because you did do that, and you made a point of saying you want to get that money yeah. to him, and then. We obviously get the the performance royalties because we're the ones, you know, performing this cover. No. Um, and yeah, not a lot of musicians know that. Uh, but and I've, yeah. I've done my best to kind of, you know, just put out what I've learned through this whole journey of trying to get my royalties uh, on my website and hopefully helping uh, musicians that, you know, want to actually get what's owed to them. Yeah, because it's quite a thing. Like, and I remember someone describing it like you just got to build the tunnel. You got to build the the funnel that, of this money that comes to you, and it might not come immediately, but you never know what's going to come down the line. Yeah. And just now, you know, a song is the right song at the right time to be used in the right campaign, and you never know. And then, and then it's just it's little it'll keep coming down. And so, is that that's. With, with all your success, I mean, you are able to find a decent income through those royalties because you've you, you've managed to 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 create the infrastructure to get it right. Yeah. So to be honest, um, like 
those royalties are great if you've got music playing on the radio. I haven't had a radio single in probably three years. Oh, okay. So is, ra- um, is radio... Where, where do you see your biggest... Uh, YouTube. Earning? YouTube, by far. Okay. So in a month, I think YouTube would probably pay me more than I've ever made in my whole life through Samro. In sure. A month. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's how great YouTube... Hey can be for for an artist okay and they're good about it they what do they pay you monthly they pay me monthly you get paid anywhere between fifteen thousand to forty thousand rand per million views which sounds like a lot of views for that kind of money but once you've got the ball rolling and you're getting millions of views almost every day you can really oh wow generate quite a quite a, a mean income yeah um so yeah i'm i'm loving youtube uh it's really worked out well for me uh with with the parody stuff for example i was getting lots of views but a lot of the the songs were getting claimed by the original publishers because obviously i never wrote those songs so i would get like a fraction of the pie Mm. most of the money would go to to the publishers but when i started making these sort of uh, internet collabs, which I call them. Uh, yeah, you know, I wanted even to talk Polka, about that. the cat songs. Um, I get to keep all of that. And then I obviously do my best to, to give back to whoever I've collaborated with. Mm. But yeah, all the money comes to me and then I distribute it out to, to people that I've collabed with. Yeah, I love, I love the fact that you've been very transparent about doing the right thing with that money in the right cases. Um, <clears throat> how did you manage to talk to that Ukrainian soldier? Uh, so we were in touch with uh, their management. Um, okay. Yeah, because he was obviously Cause he, you know, he, okay, he was so actively out on the battlefield. We couldn't speak to him. Exactly. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand. So the basic backstory is, is there was a musician. He was the front man of a band, hey? Correct, yeah. Like quite a famous, what, like rock band? Yeah, a band called Boombox, they were on tour in the US. And when the war broke out in Ukraine, they canceled their tour. And, and came he, home to fight. Yeah. And, 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 on, the, and on the street corner, he, he sang a song just by himself that his friend must have filmed. Yeah. And the song is what? It's like a... It's a traditional Ukrainian folk song. Uh, it's called Oyuluzi Chervonakalina. Yeah, I bet you've like... Gotten- <laughs> gotten some yeah. good uh, time listening to it and and um did, was that kind of famous at it on its own yeah i mean it's it was doing the rounds on its own and then you took it and you gave it some extra oomph yeah and production and you made this fucking song that i'm sure you saw it but like i got chills hearing your song being played in these town squares yeah in in, in across Ukraine as this kind of battle cry for the war, it's, and I was like, "That's my boy, that's <laughs> Dave. He did that." Yeah, like, in, in well, Plettenberg how, Bay. Yeah, all the from you know from this room we're in in, in Little Plettenberg Bay. It was actually in my brother's living room that I that I kind of made the the song. We hadn't actually moved here yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does it blows my mind that you know I can just be here in Plett. Uh, see a video, add a beat to it, and then put it back out into the world, and it becomes this sort of unofficial anthem for 
It just or shows the Ukrainian <laughs> movement. <laughs> it just shows you it just shows you the power of timing and it shows you how how if you are quick and if you act quick you can really achieve the most amazing stuff. Yeah, so and and we're also we're really, you know, just amazed and impressed that uh, we could actually speak to the manager of of Boombox. We were very we wanted to make sure that you know, firstly, Andri, the, the lead singer, was happy with the song. Yeah. Um, and that we we went about it in a respectful way. I obviously did not want to make one cent from the song. Yeah. Um, we wanted to give everything back to some kind of humanitarian aid for Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, so all that money How is much going you... to, to food. and what, what is your stab at what you think it managed to earn? Um, the last I checked, it's, it's in the region of, you know, a million rand. That's, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. It could be more now. Um, Wild. yeah. And then just, s- just, soon yeah. after our remix, um, Pink Floyd put out their, their own remix, you know, with the same, with the same cause to, to kind of raise money for humanitarian aid. And we know that they saw ours because... Uh, the original translation of the song is "Hey, hey, cheer up and rejoice." Mm. But then we changed it to "Hey, hey, rise up and mm. rejoice." We thought it sounded no more, I mean, more we correct. Need to, we need to be rising up when it comes to a war, yeah. And then Pink Floyd called their version "Hey, hey, rise up." Yeah. So we're pretty sure that they they, they drew inspiration it. from from our remix, which is pretty cool. That's great. Man. Um. And yeah, they the the lead singer reached out to us and said, "Hey, Pink Floyd have have done this remix. Is it okay if they they kind of put it out?" We're like, "Bro, it's it's Pink Floyd." Like, yeah, yeah, and also go just, for it. at this point, it's a song for everyone. It's not like no one's kind of taking any kind of ownership over it. Um, where whereabouts was the Jimmy Fallon mention in all of this? Is that before or after the Ukrainian war? Uh, this was after. Okay. Um, so then let's dial forward yeah. to the next one was the cat stuff, which I think was great. <laughs> yeah, so... Because the Fallon mention was with the cats, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, but this was like probably my sixth or seventh cat song Yeah. Uh, that, that kind of got into Jimmy Fallon's radar. Um, but yeah, I think how that actually happened was, you know, I'd kind of made a name for myself remixing humans. Yeah. Uh, the first big one being Ivan Polka with the Turkish drummer yes. guy singing that yes, song. Yes, yes. Um, that song I made as a result of me just kind of getting over the hate I was getting for my political satire. I was about to. I was about to say maybe we could just chat on that for a bit. Like, yes. there was a period where it seemed like a lot of the stuff you were putting out was 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 politically focused. Yeah, and I, th- I thought that was very. I thought that was an interesting move, and I and I, I could sense that it was somewhat dangerous territory. Yeah, because you got it. You know, the just because we've already spoken about the Ukrainian thing, that's obviously rife with politics. But it was a very simple set of politics. Like yeah. the world could clearly see who the aggressor was and who, yes, you know, and who the victim was. But making jokes about um, politics in South Africa is is touchy because it can 
Especially as a white male. <laughs> Especially as a white male. I think the one thing I could commend you on was that you certainly owned your place. Like you were very clear in saying like, I'm a white male. Yeah. You know, and I know what, 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 what comes with that. Um, yeah. But I must say when, when I was watching it from afar, um, I remember thinking like, this is shaky ground because yeah. with it is going to come a certain sense of hate. So you, you felt that. No, totally. I mean, it was it was a wild time, um, you know, with the parody stuff, which was kind of, you know, more just having a laugh at our at our circumstance. Political satire comes with, you know, a whole new ball game, because suddenly, it's not just a laugh satire. Yeah, I think ruffles feathers, and you know, did, when it did get that motivate you to make more, or were you? Or was that motivating you to not make? Yeah, so I kind of just saw the crazy decisions that our politicians were making during this time. You know, Dlamini Zuma banning cigarettes and, yeah, you know, just making wild decisions that, you know, made no sense. And I felt that now that I had this platform, uh, I felt like I, I needed to say something in the same vein of... Yeah of parody but now you know I was, I was obviously remixing things like the national anthem mm. to to kind of poke fun at the decisions that were going down and uh, that obviously got onto the radar of high-powered politicians like uh, uh mayor messina from ekroleni or well, he's the ex-mayor now yeah. and uh he posted a, a screenshot of that video of my face saying, who's this little racist? And, you know, essentially started a witch hunt on me. And then Tony Yangeni saw that and replied saying, you know, something crazy like Twitter detectives, let's find this guy and skin him alive. These are are politicians who have a lot of influence. And when they're saying things like this, Mm. you know, they get their, their supporters riled up and people... You know, start messaging me and saying, "Hey, we know where you live, and we're gonna come kill you." And is that a scary moment? Yeah, it is scary. But for the most part, I've learned that you know the threats are empty, and and the reason I can say that is because I'm still here. And sure, but I mean, there are those moments where you're like, "Okay, I have a wife, I have a kid." Well, yeah, I there's a have point. A ki- well, there's a point <laughs> where yeah, there's just a a point where sometimes yeah, the person goes like, "Okay, this is now real." Yeah. And and the jokes have now potentially affected my wife. Yeah. But on the same token, yeah. Uh the satire is doing its job. If Yeah, if it's yeah, if it's if it's getting attention. That's yeah, that's always point. been the, the the funny irony is that like yeah, the fact that I've gotten your attention means that like yeah, it's if, something that's worth talking about. If you offend the right people, that's what the point of of satire is like if you're not offending your target then it's not doing its job yeah and yeah okay. the target was the ANC but yeah I've kind of taken a, a bit of a step back from that now that I do have a kid yeah um and yeah to to get back to the point of of uh what I'm doing now you know I I kind of just I got over the hate that I was getting and I wanted to make something that was just fun and, you know, would unite people. Obviously, with the satire, you get a lot of support from one group, 
but then a lot of hate from another. And yeah. I wanted to just make something that that wasn't so polarizing. Yeah. Well, on on that note, the the video of the little Jamaican boy, yeah, is really what had me like reach out to you recently and just <laughs> and just be like, Duty, like I know what you're doing here, and you've done it. You've successfully managed to like just bring such a happy joy into the world. So perhaps you could just tell the story of this little Jamaican boy. Because that's the opposite in many regards of the Ukrainian thing, because the Ukrainian thing was very much time and a place. We have to put this out now. Yeah. Tomorrow might be too late. Where with this Jamaican boy, correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps as a starting point, this was an old video. Yeah. Okay, so what was the video? Yeah, it's it's this kid in Jamaica, uh Rashawn, and he's singing a, a popular song in Jamaica called Beautiful Day by, yeah. a, by an artist called Jermaine Edwards. And he's like in his school. It's almost like yeah. he's sort of singing it as a little class song. Yeah, so the teacher's there recording him because he had obviously sung it and the teacher thought, wow. like He's got a lovely voice. Yeah, he's got a great voice. So, yeah, the teacher recorded him. And this is about, what, 10 years ago? How long? Uh, it's seven years ago. Seven years ago, okay. Yeah, and I think the video had gone viral at the time, but we got to take into account that platforms like uh, TikTok and Instagram weren't, weren't, weren't really around then. Uh, Instagram might have been around. TikTok, but not in the same way. I was yes. talking to someone the other day. Like Instagram was years, more photos and Instagram all that Instagram kind of was about photographers taking cool photography. It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a broadcast platform like it, like it is now. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, what, what, what we're finding now is a lot of old videos being re-uploaded onto TikTok and are, they're kind of given new life. Yeah. And, you know, my fans do half my job for me. They find these videos and send them to me. Oh, I, I don't really have to look for them. I just get sent them. And like cat videos. Yeah. You just get sent Every day. Videos. Every day. Just new <laughs> cat videos and, yeah. and kids singing amazing songs and I kind of have to... Is it a bit overwhelming at that point? Yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff. Like, I've literally got an endless supply of, of content to, to kind of sift through and, you know, decide, okay, what am I going to remix today? I could literally, if, you, I, if I wanted to, I could, you know, just go onto Instagram or TikTok now and see what I've been tagged in and I'll be able to, to find could, something that I can work on. That's amazing. Um, okay. But yeah, I guess I guess the job is to identify what's worth remixing yeah um and then also just seeing what what kind of interesting spin i can put on on a video because then with that song you then how, how did it feel when you when you found that song how did it stick out i mean it's just obviously very endearing uh, the words you know, thank you for sunshine, thank you for rain, thank you for joy, and thank you for pain. I thought that was also very interesting, like hearing like the thanks for pain because it, it's you don't hear what, that in music. You don't often. hear that, no. And it's, it's it's normally thank you for my the, hot girlfriend and yeah. for money and you know very worldly things. But coming from this like little boy, it was like very sweet. Yeah. And so you then turned this into a, a lovely song. You added an extra verse. Yeah. This video through your platform then captured everyone's heartstrings, um, but there's back to the 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 royalty structures and how you've always advocated for that. 
they then got, how did they get something or the original artist got something? What was the story? Yeah, so it's, it's quite an interesting story. I, when I released the video, I didn't know that um, someone else had written the song, firstly. Mm. Secondly, I had no way of reaching this kid. I mm. tried my best. I, I put word out. I said, does anyone know this, this kid? I didn't hear anything. And he so, might not even be that much of a kid anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that he, he was 18. I thought it was okay. a recent video. Okay. Um, but what often happens is I'll put a video out with a message attached saying, you know, if anyone knows this kid, please yeah. let me know. And then, you know, within a day or two, someone gets back and says, you know, this guy lives next door to me. That's oh, the power wow. of the internet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very quickly found out who he was. I was able to get in touch. And then I also found out that a guy called Jermaine Edwards had written the song. So that posed a whole new set of challenges. And yeah, sooner or later, was able to get hold of Jermaine. Um, and obviously with it, with it being his song, he wasn't so happy with, you know, some guy from South Africa uh, kind of adding his own voice and mm. verses and all that kind of thing. But we managed to, to kind of talk and, you know, I explained my situation, what I do. Um, also, you know, just saying that I'm, I'm a fellow Christian. He's, he's a gospel singer okay. um, and I, I identify with the words. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we managed to find common ground and, you know, work out a, a proper release strategy. Because, yeah, like we, we obviously want to make sure that everyone's getting what's owed to them. Yeah. So Jermaine, being the songwriter, is now happy. Um, obviously, Rashawn has, has found a whole new Because he, he got signed up. Hey? This musician in Jamaica helped him sign up to the relevant royalty collection agencies, right? Yeah, so Jermaine, obviously, with his experience, you know, took... Rashawn under his wing and, and kind of made sure that, you know, he he had all the correct deals in place. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they signed a deal with, with Sony in the UK, um, which, I mean, each to their own. I've been through major labels and, yeah. you know, I, I way prefer being an, an independent artist, but, sure. you know, they seemed happy with their deal and, you know, more power to them. Yeah. And yeah, that's the story. That's lovely. <laughs> uh, it's, I'm so proud of you. And I've like, because we've, you know, we've shared the stage many times over the years and, and I've seen, seen, yeah, how you've built this up slowly. And I just think it's so interesting, especially when it's something as fun as the cat videos and the, and the little dude, because there is something so amazing about bringing joy and that's kind of always been what's motivated me with short straw is the songs that literally tell you to cheer up you know yeah. like they bring happiness they bring joy the world needs a lot of that um and cheer up <laughs> something's got you down <laughs> um what are you watching at the moment sorry that's something we, we we've been talking about your your illustrious career for so long but what are you what kind of stuff are you watching on tv and film what's what's been um What's been a recent sort of favorite? Uh, so it's it's always interesting dynamic between married couples. You kind of have to yeah, find yeah. this. Of course. No, no, no. So what are you watching together and what are you watching by yourself? <laughs> so It's mostly just my, kid videos. 
my wife loves below deck. Ah, that's uh, the reality show of the deckhands. Hey? Yes. Are they Australian? No, uh, American. So, some of them are. There are quite a few South Africans, oh, a few yeah. Australians, you know, British, Where's, American. Where is that? Is that on Netflix? It's, uh, yeah, I think it's on Netflix and okay, it might also be on, on uh, Showmax, if I'm not mistaken. It's like Maybe different it's, seasons. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, I was very reluctant to watch, you know, <laughs> I don't really like reality shows. Yeah. They're often scripted, but, you know, yeah, kind of just, I watch reluctantly and then, you know, inadvertently get sucked in mm. and end up enjoying it slightly. <laughs> and what do you, what do you enjoy? Uh, so I've sat through three seasons of Below Deck, so now, so now I've, you know, dragged my wife into watching The Crown. Ah, <laughs> which, oh, you're a Crown fan. Which she... Yeah, I think sort of semi enjoys, but uh, I would have thought she would have enjoyed The Crown. Yeah, but it's it's getting quite interesting now. I think we've just been introduced to Diana and Margaret Thatcher. We've mm. just started season four. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think she's starting to enjoy it a little bit more. Can okay. can be a little bit you know boring depending okay. on on how slow, you see things. Slow and slow moving. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I I enjoy it and. You know, just the, the effort that's gone into creating these sets. You'd mm. almost think that, you know, they've they've asked permission to film in, in the, the palaces. The palaces. And, but, you know, I think they've built the sets themselves. I think some of the castles they've yeah. They've kind of maybe Maybe you know gone. Maybe into, they've found other castles that are similar that they can kind of repurpose. Because you do sometimes literally just need that big giant room and that yeah. big giant room doesn't exist everywhere um something that's kind of interesting you just made me think about it if you wanted to make a big um war movie and you need tanks and um helicopters and stuff they often borrow from the army really from the actual american army and then as a result they obviously have to have their show or their film like fit in with the ideals of the army because they're yeah. borrowing these tanks yeah. So that's why it's often like very rah-rah, pro-American stuff. And famously, um, Apocalypse Now was one of the first films that um, said, well, we're going to do this on our own because we're trying to make a bit of an anti-war thing. Mm. But it's interesting that if you are the crown and you are getting permission to shoot in these palaces, you've obviously got to fit in with yeah. the message of the crown. It's interesting. No, I wonder what the case is. Okay, so you like The Crown. Uh, well, yeah, that's what we're watching at the moment. Cool. I, I wanted to get into Last of Us. But, okay. it, but again, no, I mean, I don't want to bash my wife here or, or drag her under the bus. But yeah, she she refused. She's um, like zombies. No, I'm done. I, I think it's because we, you know, we're full-time parents now. And the only time we get to watch stuff is when Sam's asleep. Yeah, um, but she doesn't want to watch zombie stuff like <laughs> at eight or nine at night because yeah. then she 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 has nightmares and doesn't sure, sleep so of well. Have you have you have you watched Yellow Jackets? Do you know Yellow Jackets? We haven't. It's freaky. It's like it's <laughs> it's scary. It like it puts you off. We we used to watch you know scary stuff like you know Game of Thrones or whatever. 
during yeah. the day before we were parents. Yeah. And then, you know, she wouldn't have nightmares so much at night. But uh, yeah. we can't, we don't have time in the day anymore to, to kind of watch stuff. We got to, yeah. instead we're watching our kid. Yeah. Shit. That's um, the best series of all, watching your kid. We're on, <laughs> we're on season, I guess, How season three. Uh, how old is he now? He's uh, one and a half. Um, Jerry Seinfeld said something amazing. He said, you, you get a new kid every year. Yes. You know, like as this kid grows and changes and evolves, you it's like you've been handed a new kid. I thought that was such an interesting way of phrasing it from yeah. a person who's famous for sort of his unique look in the world. I thought that was quite a cool. No, and every, every day is a new episode. It's yeah. like, uh, yeah. You're loving it. Yeah, episode, wh- where are we in the year? We're like halfway through the year. So it's episode 160 that? of season three. <laughs> or, no, I got that wrong. <laughs> I, made, I, made a, I made a comment as we walked into your studio that it reminded me a little of the um, Bo Burnham special Inside. And I also yeah. thought that that's perhaps quite a, uh, a cool thing to talk about for a moment because you, of course, also produced a lot of your some of your best work um, during COVID. But um, Bo Burnham inside is the great comedian, Bo Burnham, who during COVID basically almost puts himself in a room and records the special. Um, he has no choice. Which, yeah, he kind of had no choice because <laughs> he, you could see he's the kind of person that was bursting with ideas and things to do. And he makes this hilarious, interesting special. I think you must appreciate Bo Burnham. No, I loved it. I mean, because... I was obviously putting out stuff every week. But as a, whereas as a, he was holding on to all the stuff to make like one, you know, massive special. Yeah. Which, as a as a musician, because he's an incredible musician as well, making yes. often very funny songs. And the songs funny. were all original. Which, yeah. You know, I can't claim because I was I was just taking other people's songs. Yeah. But a very sort of similar vein, you know, just. I thought that was such an accomplishment as a as a special. I thought it was very interesting, and I, I loved every second of it because it just literally takes you from one to the next, back to this, back to that. Yeah, it's like um, uh, fast cuts, and that that my favorite was the Jeffrey Bezos song. Where it's like, Jeffrey congr- Bezos, <laughs> it's like, congratulations, you won. Yes, <laughs> um, and white girl, white woman Instagram. Yeah. Um, what's uh, what's what's coming up for you? Um, where, so, so what do you yeah, want to do more I, of? I think where I identify with with uh, Bo Burnham is that he, I think, through COVID, just got so comfortable, uh, you know, creating stuff from behind a camera. I don't think he performs live anymore. Oh, really? Um, I think he gets terrible stage fright. Mm. Um, and I. I struggled to to get back on stage. I yeah. used to, I used to love touring, and it's definitely a muscle one gets used to and okay with. Yeah, I, I found it amazing to be at one point where I could very easily be in front of thousands of people and not have an issue. But it's it's because of the small surf cafes. Yeah, <laughs> ten people came. Totally. And years later, slowly <clears throat> building up. Yeah, so I, I so you, I feel you struggled like I kind a bit of, with that. Yeah. Yeah? I I feel like I. Yeah, I struggled to connect with, with crowds again, mm. which is so interesting because, I mean, I see the numbers on my videos. You see, 
you know, a video getting 10 million views and it's a lot of people that are that are watching you, but you don't see them. They're not staring right at you. Yeah, but then when you're on but, stage and even playing in front of 500 people, it's like a lot of faces looking at you. Yeah. Um, so so the, the, the views don't feel intimidating to you? Yeah. What do they feel like and to I, you? I, Just encouraging. Does it feel like someone's kind of so, clapping for you? Well, I, I'd, I'd be curious to know. Cause so the views, I think a lot of YouTubers come short in that they get very kind of attached to the numbers. Yeah. YouTube's great in giving you all the stats and telling you how your videos are performing. Um, and it can be a rush when you see a video doing well. Like yeah. seeing the numbers going up and seeing YouTube recommend your video to new audiences and seeing it pass yeah. the million, two million, three million mark. Like it really is a, a rush of endorphins. But when you have videos that don't do as well, it can be like really bumming. Yeah. And you kind of have to teach yourself to not get attached to that. Yeah. And to kind of be more sort of buddhist about your approach okay and what, when i what's say that, that specifically mean it means not having an attachment to the outcome mm. enjoying the process and that being the prize mm. everything else is merely a distraction so you know i, I still i still do enjoy it if a video does well and it of still course. does bum me out if it doesn't but i try not to focus on that and rather just focus on yeah, just the process of creation. Because, yeah. um, I mean, yeah, like when I was starting out and I could see that I was getting close to 100,000 subscribers and YouTube were going to send me this plaque, it's, yeah. it's all very exciting. It's yeah. But then once you get the plaque, you kind of go, oh, well, that's a bit overrated. <laughs> and you're like, oh, but now, now I must work towards... You know, a million yeah. subscribers, and then when you get that, it's great, and then you know it, it kind of fades very quickly. Guys, you you hear you hear other people sort of say similar things, yeah, where you think it's all about the deadlines, and it's yeah, it's not. Yeah, so I guess what I'm I mean milestones. It's all yeah, about I guess what I'm trying to say is there's nothing wrong with with setting goals and you know achieving those goals, but they shouldn't be the the be all and end all. Yeah, I really think that. Yeah, what I've learned over the years is that the creative process itself is the prize. Yeah. All these other things are really just distractions. And if you enjoy the process, that's all that matters. If yeah. you don't, maybe just go and do something else. Because, yeah, the other thing is if I enjoyed making a video, I find that the audience generally enjoys it as well. And yeah. if I felt that the, the process was frustrating and I didn't enjoy it, then yeah. generally the video doesn't do as well. Interesting. So you can yeah. actually almost track it to that. Yeah. It I, makes sense because so much of art, whether it is remixing the weird noise a cat makes or not, it, 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 it all comes down to, yeah, the authenticity of the, of the intention and, and, and just the, yeah, the, the care and the respect that you've given it. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely, man. Listen, I, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time, but I, I do appreciate... You've got a boat ride to catch. I've got a boat ride. We're going to go up the Kierbooms River on a boat. Oh, Plate, eh? <laughs> it's a winner. I love Plate. 
No, you're going to love it. Have you been up Kerbworms? No. No, it's great. No. You're going to love it. Okay. All right. Any other plet suggestions? Ooh, if you're up to a bungee jump, maybe. Oh, fuck no. Maybe blow crunch. Ah, no. <laughs> no, no. My life is exciting and fulfilling enough. I, I don't quite need that. Maybe surf cafe just for old time's sake. I think so. Pull out a little uh, Vuvuzela funnel. Yeah. No, I, I remember a night there where it's large portions of it are, are, are fast forwarded <laughs> as a result of the, the Vuvuzela funnel. No, but there was some great moment, which I'll share now, which was um, at some point when we were setting up to perform at, at Surf Cafe, this owner that we've spoken about, Blue, said, guys, I just have one rule. Don't play Wonderwall. You're not, you're not allowed to play Wonderwall. And we thought, okay, well, we're an original band. You know, we're not going to play Wonderwall. Like, why the fuck would anyone play Wonderwall? And then we played our gig. Then we just hung out and we're drinking and having a good time. We inevitably went back up on stage just to perform to ourselves at this point. <laughs> and the dudes behind the bar... And then, of course, we're playing fun covers and silly songs. And then inevitably, like, One Oak starts playing Wonderwall. And, uh, Blue, yeah. and Blue from the back is like, I fucking told you. <laughs> don't yeah. play Wonderwall. Like, I had one rule. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> so it's clearly, happen. it's so funny. Whenever you see, like, a sign or a, a, a rule and you're like, why would that be a thing? And then you realize, like, inevitably, like, somebody does it. I've been to, to Surf Cafe open mic on a Wednesday enough times to know that Wonderwall okay. is going to come up at some stage. There's a reason <laughs> why you had that rule. No, that's lovely, man. Cool. But listen, Diddy, all the best. And just keep yeah, keep bringing joy into the world, man. Uh, thanks, your, Russ. It's your gift, eh? And you just, yeah. And you're, nice you're bringing legacy. joy through this podcast as well. Thanks, I can, man. I can see that you, you really enjoy it. And I'm sure the listeners, well, I hope they're going to enjoy this one. No, no, of course they will. <laughs> of course they will. Thanks for listening if you made it all this way. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Didi. All right. What a lekker chat. How's it, Giddy? And a lekker dude. And oh my God, Plet is gorgeous. Oh, nice. And it's still our birthday. <laughs> and it's still our birthday over here. Um, so, yeah, I thought we could chat a little bit more about The Flash because uh, with it comes this kind of new era of DC, which I yeah. think is kind of cool to talk about. The fact that um, James Gunn um, is now going to be sort of heading up the studios yeah. and what it's going to bring. And this is kind of the start of that, which I think is kind of cool. And then we can talk about... Um, what other new TV shows have cropped up? What new stuff's coming? Cool. So, so stick around for a little huck around there. Yeah. When is when is Mission Impossible coming? The new one? Uh, July. Because I've been watching the 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 Macquarie ones. Oh yes, they are. They're, they're, they're really good. They're insane, but they're so good. <laughs> yeah. I watched. W what do you mean? Is that the that's the director? Yeah. So he's the director yes. writer. So he was a ghost writer on Ghost Protocol, which mm -hmm. is Brad Bird who did. Um, Incredibles it was his first feature yeah and then the next one Rogue Nation mm. was full on he wrote and directed yes. and, and then what was the, the one after that um, I've, I'm going to watch it they're all they're all, yeah, they, they yeah. all blur into one of me hey? <laughs> like there is something nice about the fact that Fast and Furious just goes like one, two, three, four, oh, five, yes. six, seven. <laughs> yeah, I was like, thinking about that. This is like yeah, I, 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 I would like never by date order mm. I would never be able to know like which Mission Impossible has come in which Order. Oh, okay. So See, good. I can remember like story-wise and plot and all that sort of thing, but the names all disappear for me. Yeah. So you just kind of it's take up to it. three. It, they, they were 
well behaved and then they <laughs> just went bonkers. Yeah. Um, but, okay, uh, The Flash, as you said, is yeah. so James Gunn is... Um, Guardians. He did the, Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy, which was over in the Marvel camp. And then he and did The Suicide Squad for DC. Yeah, so he's kind of been everywhere and yeah. everything. And wherever he's gone, and we've said this when we spoke about Guardians of the Galaxy, he's mm. got a very... Um, cool, kind of almost yeah. punk rock style of, bit, of, yeah. of doing this. Mm. He loves using pop songs. In like oh his, yeah, his movies. Yeah, Lots of so they, yeah, they've got they've got a lot to them. Mm. They 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 sort of sit in this kind of bigger space, referencing other things. The the comedy seems to be a, a little more um, cheek, like more cheekier. Yeah, it's like a little wittier, a little. Yeah. it's not so. It's not as quippy. Yeah, you know. So Superman is my favorite favorite character of all time. Yeah, okay. and I do not think he's been done well, like on screen. I mean, Christopher Reeve kind of got it right. Yeah, but Brandon Ruth was, eh, and um, Henry Cavill like yeah. was just so dark. And I'm really, really, really optimistic for yeah. Gunn, just based on like how he handled Peacemaker and Suicide yeah. Squad, because he's doing one of the big ones. Is he's writing and directing the new Superman? Yeah. Is it called Legacy? Yeah. Well, do you want to get into that? Do we yeah. want to talk about all the stuff that James Gunn has announced? Yeah. Well, the one thing to just mention is that in the Flash, without giving too much away, yeah, um, because it's in the trailer, is uh, the introduction of like a Supergirl. Supergirl. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And she's done well. Yeah. Because and and it's cool seeing her in the movie, and then without giving any spoilers, yeah. and I'm going to be very careful with my <laughs> words here, is as this kind of multiverse gets more and more opened inside the flash there are some fun and exciting kind of superman nods Mm, in the the flash which i think you'd appreciate there's there's an easter egg heavy scene yeah and it's cool they like open it up and they play with with superman a bit so one of of my favorite scenes in superman was when he races flash i don't know if they make Uh, reference to that in the movie no 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 okay because they race around the world it's it's unreal yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, because it's loosely based or inspired by a run called Flashpoint, which DC used to as a reboot. Yeah. They literally use it because the things that Flash does affects the timeline, and then they use that as a reboot to reboot the whole DC universe in the comics. Like a crisis okay. on Infinite Earths. Yeah, along the, along the same, same lines. And, and it seems like that's what they're doing here. They're using this as a way of like resetting whatever Flash did yeah. has now completely changed the DC universe. Yeah, so it... it it seems like there's multi verses now everywhere. Mm, yeah. Everybody in all major things like the MCU. So the, in the Marvel world, they've yeah. also played with this idea now. Yes. And so everyone's using it as a tool to kind of yeah. rejig everything. Because I've heard something so ridiculous. So they're mm. making Mustafa. Have you heard of this? It's mm-hmm. a sequel to Lion King, the reboot. Oh. They want to turn Lion King into like a multi like into a whole universe, multi-universe. Oh, okay. Like what? Are, what a Lion King. <laughs> so there's like going to Star be a uh, Mufasa. Mufasa, not Mustafa. Mufasa. <laughs> there's going to be a Mufasa. It's a prequel movie because obviously yeah. he didn't make it. Yeah, well, uh, he was he was the Lion King in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. So is there going to be a Timon and Pumbaa TV series and a well, there kind of has been Scar the musical. Did you ever watch Lion King one and a half? 
Yeah, so or two those. and a half. Really yeah, they've made lots of like animated sequels. There was an animated series, but there was a but there was a full on movie called Lion King two it was and like, a half. It was which what was happened the, behind uh, the scenes. It was the whole of Lion King one from the told from the perspective of Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, I remember definitely saw that. It was kind of smart. Okay, for what it was, I will take your word for it. No, <laughs> no it was. I definitely it, remember it, seeing it. It was, going, it was okay, okay, okay. It was. It was cool. I'm just looking the looking this up because I know that prequel is from. An interesting director. Yes, it was. It was it's someone Barry who Barry Jenkins. Yes, who's Moonlight. directing it? Barry Jenkins, who directed Moonlight and the Underground Railroad. Mm. So that's a really good He's choice. He's doing for, the Mufasa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, so apparently it's a sequel and a prequel. <laughs> so it's basically Simba telling his kids the story of Mufasa in ah. theory. So just the fact that it's from Barry Jenkins makes me go, okay, this might be something. And is it going to be the the live action-y I believe so. characters? Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. It's going from that. I mean, it made like one and a half billion dollars. I'm sure they'll yeah. do whatever they can to continue that. Off a multiverse. Why the fuck not? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but this is what movies are going to become. It's, yeah. it's going to be crossovers and spin-offs. So it's important to mention, and we've mentioned this before, is that when we huck in about movies here, it's great to celebrate one that's completely unique. Yeah. And when those come out, mm. like I remember seeing an interview, um, the, that really charming Radio One guy who always does really good interviews yes. from the BBC. And he said to Ryan Reynolds at the time of Free Guy, uh, he was yes. like, congratulations on having such a successful, unique movie. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. What a great like way to phrase it, which is like, we are surrounded by reboots, universes, franchises yeah. that just build on each other. That it's rare that something unique yeah. comes out. Something that's, that's a completely original movie. Wasn't yeah. Free Guy a ripoff of the Lego movie? Not a ripoff, but I'm saying it was a it was a it's standalone not an existing, property. Yeah, it's not an existing wasn't a comic, franchise. Wasn't a reboot, wasn't oh, a okay, yeah. Yeah, an original story. It was an original product. Yeah. It stood on its own. Yeah, Which it doesn't kind of, happen. It's what we were saying about that movie that's coming out called The Creator. Yeah. Original sci-fi. You don't see those ever. Yeah. It's wild. Okay. All right. So what has James Gunn got in store for us over the next few years? Yeah, this is so they, they announced a surprising amount. I wasn't expecting them to announce this much. So let's do TV shows first. Because I think the yeah. first thing, because there's still two more movies that are coming out that are not James Gunn. Think yeah. They were in production by the time James Gunn already joined the DC. So that's Blue Beetle and Aquaman. Okay. So I imagine he would have been able to tweak things a little bit. But I don't yeah. think he had any real creative control over those ones. So okay. the first thing that they're doing is an animated series called Creature Commandos. Okay. Which is sort of like if you imagine like um, like Hammer Horror or Universal Monsters do a Suicide Squad. Okay, I, don't, I don't know what that is. So if you take characters <laughs> like, like Dracula and Frankenstein and that sort of thing and you put them on a team okay. as superheroes basically. Sure. So it's those characters. And it, it's a very similar idea to Suicide Squad but this time with like horror Horror characters. three characters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So like one of them's of Dracula, one of them's a Frankenstein, one of them's Literally. a Gorgon. Yeah. Literally. Yes. Okay. All right. Was this a comic? Yeah. Comic. No, this was, it was like a 40s era comic. Oh, uh, okay. So this is okay. the other thing. Like people were saying, okay, since it's James Gunn, James Gunn is always kind of dug into like really obscure characters, not so much the mainstream stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of people are like, okay, which ones are you going to lean towards, like the mainstream stuff or the obscure stuff? And it seems like, thankfully, they're doing both. So yeah. he is kind of dredging the, the unknown characters. But what they're doing here that's interesting, so James Gunn is writing it, but they're also casting people since it's animated. They're casting actors that can also play the characters in live action. 
Okay. So like Frankenstein is is David Harbour. Oh, cool. You know that sort of that the, sort of costume. The sheriff from Stranger Things yeah. and Hellboy. He Hellboy, Hellboy, and he was yeah. also Black Widow. He was the dad. Yes, he was the dad. Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I just think that's an interesting idea of like casting voice actors that are also going to play them in live action. Because they, like, they might be a live action. Yeah, thing. or they'll incorporate them into live action at some point. Okay. That sort of thing. Um, the next one, they're doing a Waller TV series. So Amanda Waller from The Suicide Squad. She's the one who created The Suicide Squad. Uh, Viola Davis. Viola kind of... Davis, yeah. So she's coming back. They're doing a series. I imagine it's sort of like a sequel to Peacemaker because she was also in the Peacemaker TV series. Okay. So I imagine That's it's cool. going to do that. And choice, but... Yeah, I'm curious about that one. I think the fact that it's Viola Davis is cool. And it's from one of the writers who did um, the Watchmen TV series. But it was a great show. So that's that's encouraging. Then we're getting Booster Gold, which is another very obscure character. Um, yeah. Who is... Is that a TV show? Yeah, this is these old TV shows now. Um, Booster Gold is a security guard. He's a failed footballer security guard from the future who steals like a superhero suit and like suit and like alien technology and travels back in time to like our time to become like a celebrity basically. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember the comic. Yeah. What's it called? Booster Gold. Booster Gold. Okay. It's a fun, it's like a much more like lighthearted, much more um, comedic. Before we venture too far away from Viola Davis. Yes. Um, the Woman King is now mm. on Netflix. And Showmax. And Showmax. Yeah. Oh, that's cool that it's in both places. Yeah. So you can kind of watch We've it We've mentioned wherever. that in the early episodes um, I love that movie. I thought it's cool. fucking great, and I thought it was important that everybody watches that movie. Yeah. Have you seen Woman King? Seen it, no. It's really good. Cool. It's really good, and of course, Safa Spada mm. has um, Tuso Mbeda, who's a South yes. African, and she's now a superstar. She's yeah. on her way to being like the next big superstar. Cool. South African actress who's who's in Woman King. Okay. Same. Check it out. Um, yeah, totally worth it. Yeah. Watch. Okay, carry on. Okay, then we got Lanterns, which is a Green Lantern TV series, Ooh. which is the kind of framing it as sort of like a buddy cop or like a detective sort of, okay. not less comedic, like they're comparing it to True Detective. That's oh. the sort of thing. So it's okay. Hell Jordan, the, the so original Green Lantern. So many I went through right there. Right? It's confusing. Animated or live action? Live action. Okay. So it's Hell Jordan, original Green but like Lantern. Into space. Yeah, in theory, yeah. I think it's going to be... Space based. So who's Hell Jordan? The, he's like the first Green Lantern. He, so so is, is Hell Jordan? Is that the character? Yeah. Name? So it's oh, the character okay. Ryan Reynolds played. Okay. But yeah, yeah. they didn't do him very well. They, Hell Jordan is basically Captain Kirk. He's that guy, but with superpowers. And then it's, so it's him and John Stewart, who was the John Stewart's really popular with a lot of people, kind of our age, because he was the Green Lantern that was in the animated Justice League series. Okay. So he's like quite a popular character. So it's the two of them. Okay. I think that's going to be good. Um, then they're doing Paradise Lost, which is a show th- set on Themyscira, which is where Wonder Woman is from. Um, I've got a – one of my favorite comics was JLA Paradise Lost. I wonder if uh, they're adapting that. Maybe. It was from the 90s. Wasn't maybe. Wonder Woman from a- a- Atlantis? No, not that's Atl- Aquaman. Not Atlantis. Um, but she was from the sort of little – Little Am- mystery Amazon Amazonian. They were Amazonian. yeah. They call them Amazonians, but the the place is called Themyscira. And the place existed in Earth. Yes, but so it's like hidden. It's like it's like hidden, it's like but magically on hidden. Earth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're sort of comparing that to like a sort of. I think it's going to be a prequel, because um, they're comparing it to like Game of Thrones. So it's going to be like a sort of a oh. political historical sort of thing. So it could be cool. 
Jesus, these are these are big things, eh? Dude, they're they are, especially for TV shows. It's interesting that they're like, okay, kind of Marvel's had its time, mm. you know, and you sort of sometimes have to play second fiddle and kind of know who the big dog is in the market. Yeah. DC's been sitting on amazing material. And so DC, yeah, so it's, you can almost imagine the board meeting where someone's like, okay, it's our time now. Yeah. Like almost like that sort of Fast and the Furious yeah. racing scene. At least the hounds. You know, when the one goes first <laughs> and the other one's like, oh, yeah. went too soon. Mm. And now they're like slowly. And the fact that Marvel took, like, took their time to get to TV, you know, it was it was like 10 years before they started making TV shows. Yeah. You know, now, now DC are jumping straight in with TV and, yeah. and movies, which is interesting. Okay. Um, so that's all the TV shows that they've announced. All right. Now we have movies. Like you mentioned, Superman Legacy is the first one. Do we know who's going to be Superman? Not no, not yet. But it's written and directed by James Gunn. It's like it's gonna early be days wife. Superman. This yeah. isn't everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Henry Cavill yeah. isn't returning. They've confirmed that because they want a younger actor. I assume they want someone who they can get in a contract for the next like 10 years. Yeah. Henry Cavill's going to be in his 50s in 10 years. I don't think he's going to want to be Superman anymore. No, he's not yeah. Superman anymore. Um, Over him. It's I think he is a good Superman. He was just never in a good Superman movie. He wasn't written properly. Yeah, that's the problem. But I think he, he could have been like a great Superman. Yeah. yeah, and he's a good enough actor for the part. Um, I don't feel bad for him. Yeah, he's a he's a very successful, very famous, impossibly <laughs> good-looking beef Wellington of a man. So I'm just not gonna. Yeah. Isn't he like super nerdy? Yeah, he's into totally. like Warhammer. Well, in, the wi- he, in The Witcher, when they would have a scene, he'd be like, no, rather let's do the yes. line from page 420. Well, that's why he's book. leaving the show. He's left the show because they're not sticking to the source material yeah. enough, which is wild. And now he's doing a Warhammer show with Amazon. No, I blame Zack Snyder. <laughs> Definitely not Henry. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, this is another obscure one. I'm getting The Authority, which is... So the Authority was a Wildstorm comic book. Wildstorm was, oh, I know this. Yeah, Wildstorm was uh, another Lee. comic books company created by Jim Lee, mm. who was then bought by DC. Yes, and it's sort of like was Jim Lee in any way related to Stanley? No. no, okay. He's he's an Asian man. Okay. He's an, an artist, artist, incredible Ooh. illustrator, dude. Jim Holy incredible. shit, this stuff is incredible. You know him? Yeah, yeah. he's. Yeah. I think he's like the um, chief creative officer at DC these days. Yeah. Um, okay. DC Comics. So it's kind of, it is a much more obscure one, and those characters from Wildstorm. Wildstorm then became an imprint of DC, and they were kind of folded into DC. I read this already. Oh, cool. Yeah. There were some like pretty big writers on that, like Brian Azzarello did a run on it, and yes. Mark Miller did a run on it. There's some pretty well-known comic so, sorry, writers. So is, is the authority... It's like, like its own sort of set of characters? Yeah, it's like not, it's a team of... the same universe. Yeah. But I think there's it's a team seen, of heroes. Yeah. But okay. with like much more like obscure kind of high concept superpowers. Yeah. Like the one dude can psychi- psychically connects to cities and what? he like draws his power from the city that he's in. Okay. Like those sort of things. This, um, this reminds really me obscure. of the really great TV show on Disney Plus called Extraordinary. Uh, okay. It's yeah, really you've spoken quirky about that. and fun. It's, it's sort of, it's like the boys, but if it was told through the female perspective and British Right. <laughs> cool. There's one dude whose who's, um, superpower is he anyone who touches like will have an orgasm. Right. But he he is like it's it's not a good thing yes. for him. Like he's tormented by it. Right. And he wears gloves and he's like, imagine the moment you find this out and you like shake your dad's hand. Oh god. You know, it's like 
It's not. It's not great. Yeah. He makes other people orgasm. Yeah. If you touch him, like the moment you touch him, you'll orgasm. So these women want to like touch him, but yeah. he, but he like when he gets with the main character, and she, all she wants to do is go is touch him so yes. that she can actually have an orgasm. Was it, but was he it wants to win the show. Extraordinary. But he but he wants to put on a glove yes. and and um, pleasure her with a glove because he wants to know he can do it yes. on his own, <laughs> and he, of course he does a terrible job, and it's hilarious. Uh, um, uh. And then I think the cat touches him by mistake and like oh, the cat Lord. orgasm. It's, it's funny. Okay. 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 Um, then we're getting The Brave and the Bold, which is the next Batman movie. Oh. So this is going to be Bruce Wayne and Damian Wayne as Robin, which is fun because Damian, Damian Wayne is a little prick and he's very fun. He's this probably my favorite Robin. Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne. He's Bruce Wayne's son. Okay. He becomes Robin. Yes. Okay. He's cool. responsible dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's but well, because he was sort of created without Bruce Wayne's knowledge. Um, uh, what's his name? Rachel Ghoul and Talia Al Ghul. So they're in Batman Begins. Oh, And then yeah, Talia yeah. Al Ghul, they kind of um, stole a sample. Let's put it that way. <laughs> How do you steal someone's sperm? <laughs> I mean, when they're unconscious, you can do all sorts of things. Oh, wow. um, and then impregnated Talia Al Ghul. So he's the, the son of. Talia and Bruce Wayne, which is oh. apparently it's going to be inspired by Grant Morrison's run on Batman and Robin, which was very good. But what was weird about that is that was when Dick Grayson was Batman at the time. Batman, so Bruce Wayne was dead in inverted commas, and Dick Grayson was Batman. But this seems like it's going to be okay. Bruce Wayne. Comics and apparently, all over the place. Yeah, it's wild, dude. Yeah. Apparently, they want Andy Machete to direct this, who just directed The Flash. Is it going to be a Patterson Batman? Sorry? It's Patterson. Yeah, so they're still doing that. They're still doing the Batman and they're still doing Joker, but those are like separate from their main universe. But is this a different Patterson? Yeah, this is, well, this is going to be a different Batman. Different Batman. Yeah, so this is going to be like the main universe Batman. Oh, so oh. Patterson isn't even the main universe? No. <laughs> no. Wild. Well, they always intended that to be like separate. Uh, That's why they don't mention any other characters in that movie. It's kind of like its own thing, sort of the way the Joker was. I still haven't watched it. Oh, it's so good. The Batman is yeah. so good. Yeah, it's cool. Um, then they're doing Supergirl. Based um, on the Flash character. Well, that's the thing. We don't know yet if it's going to be the same Supergirl or not. Is they it, haven't is confirmed that. Yes, but this is its own thing. So that's based on a recent run by Tom King, which was very well received. Some sort of story about another, because her Krypton's obviously been destroyed. She was supposed to come to Earth and take care of Clark Kent as a baby. But then she arrives after him because, you know, space time is weird. Mm. So he's already grown up. She, she, he doesn't need her. She's kind of purposeless. But then another little alien girl shows up whose planet has also been destroyed. And she's like, I want to do a big revenge. So let's go into space and do big revenge. And apparently it's very good, the comic book run that it's based on. So it's been very well received. I want to do a revenge. Do a, do a big revenge. Then here's another surprising one. They're doing Swamp Thing, um, which is surprising yeah. because they did a Swamp Thing TV show, which got canceled. Which was partway through its first season. Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is one of the greatest uh, comics yes. ever. I mm. really wanted to like their TV show. And I it haven't was, seen it. It's just nothing. It was like <laughs> sci-fi, like family when was TV. The, when was the Swamp Thing TV show that came and went? Four years ago. Yeah, four or five years ago. Like a, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, oh. But he's such an interesting character. He's a very cool character. I really like Swamp what Thing. What is the character? I know nothing about Swamp Thing. So he's a guy who, I think he was like a botanist. Yeah, who is murdered by his best friend and, and then, then dumped infected. in a swamp. Yeah. But because he's like been working with chemicals and all sorts of shit. He and it gets absorbed into yeah. the swamp. 
and he becomes like a part of the swamp and he can basically build a body out of plant matter uh, and he's the swamp thing there was a really can good he exist run normally as a human no no because no, he's he just is, the swamp he's, thing he's only a swamp yeah he's a swamp <laughs> man but there was a very good run by charles soul a few years ago that was a really cool story and i kind of hope that they base it on that but apparently they want james mangold to direct this one who's doing the new Indiana Jones and he did Logan. He's doing a Star Wars as well. Where are we in sort of release date times here? They haven't really said much outside of Superman, which is 2025. Okay, well. No, 2024, Brave and the Bold is 2025. This is like 10 years, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a good ways off. But they're always like, ugh. But it seems like this is... often these people announce all these things and you don't even know. Yeah, you never know when or even if. Because you never know like what's going to happen in terms of box office and how quickly they're going to dump things. But it seems like Swamp Thing is their way of introducing them more because they have their the Justice League Dark they call them, which is like Swamp Thing and Constantine yeah. and that sort of thing, who are like these more like magic kind of supernatural characters that are also a team. I think Swamp Thing is going to be their way of like introducing that. Sure, and in it's TV, I guess yeah, you can just explode it open. And I think there's obviously so much can be happening concurrently. Yeah, because they so release they on can... Max. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's called Max now. Okay. When are we getting Max? Who knows? Well, a lot of HBO stuff comes through Showmax. Yeah. Yeah. Which Showmax is now 30% owned by Universal. NBC Universal now own 30%, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Showmax, um, The Idol is now on Showmax, which is the show folks are kind of talking about. The first episode is out. Right. And it's um, Lily Rose Depp, Johnny Mm. Depp's daughter. And it's um, it's edgy. Yeah. It's kind of entourage meets um, Euphoria. I was going to say because it's from the creator of it's Euphoria. The same dudes from Euphoria. So right. it's like it's it's a, it's edgy. It's scandalous. <laughs> like right in the beginning, it's about. Oof. Uh, yeah, I don't want to really give too much away, but right. it's it's entourage in the sense that it's about what you can gather is it's about her as this kind of pop star. Okay. She plays this pop star. And the morning starts with a photo shoot where, like, her boobs come out and the intimacy coordinator goes, like, we got to stop this. And then, oh, like, right. her team, like, lock the intimacy coordinator in a room. Right. And so, and it's all about this controversy that's kind of breaking out on mm. that day. But it's almost nothing about her. It's about her team around her and how they are, like, dictating and this, like, photo's been leaked. Oh, okay. And um, she's rehearsing and you can just see these people like t- are taking advantage of her or kind right. of ruling her life. And so it's like a sinister version of Entourage. Entourage oh, okay. was that really great TV show mm. about the team behind the, the, the actor. And of course, Entourage is quite fun. It's mm. quite man focused. Um, it's kind of of its time. Yeah. I'm talking oh, yeah. about oof, that you mentioned that Zach Braff, that new movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. It's, it's right Did you watch there. it, eh? I haven't finished it, but it's... It's, it's good, though, it's hey? It's so depressing. Good, oh a good person. A, yeah, good person. a good person is the movie that we, we spoke about in a previous so episode. so intense. And, and you now started watching it. No, it's a, it's a little... Oh, it's a hard watch. It's a, but, it's, but the one thing I can say is that, it, is that it does find the light. It is ultimately inspiring. Like, you've got to, you've got to push through because yeah, I'm it's, almost finished it's, it's such a great movie. But right. you, you're probably seeing her in her kind of worst in her arc yeah. as the character. It's all about a, an addiction to um, opiates and this woman's kind of journey out. Um, yeah, so the idol seems interesting. Right. It just seems interesting to sort of 
once again talk about where the line is. Who's the other name besides her? I saw there was um, two people. Levy, uh, the guy from Schitt's Creek, uh, he seems to be in it. Hank Azaria is her manager. Ah, uh, cool. Um, there's quite big names in it. I think The Weeknd is in it. The, the Weeknd is the weekend's it. behind it. Right. He's like, he's one of the producers. Oh, he's not actually I haven't seen him yet. I've, I've seen a poster the with the two of them where they use his name. Yeah, uh, he's in it, but I mean, maybe, maybe well, he's going to sh- maybe he's going to like literally show up. But he's definitely a part of okay. the show, like in the background as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, another thing to sorry just mention on behalf of the Bioscope, yes, is the fact that Encounters is around the corner. Oh, cool. We've mentioned it in previous episodes, but um, good stuff is coming. Encounters is a documentary film festival. Mm. Um, the tickets are uh, available for the Bioscope screening on the Bioscope's website. Um, a handful of stuff is already sold out. Cool. But um, it's really good stuff. And I've mentioned it before and Graham was like, I wish you'd told me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, a screening start from the 23rd. Cool, of June. Of June, yeah. yeah exactly. So it's around the corner. Cool. But uh, I think on this note, we should we should uh, close up shop. Yeah. yeah. Because we, <laughs> we've spoken a lot. <laughs> um, but thank you for uh, staying till the end. Mm. Um, please tell all your friends we yeah. are the video store and the video store.co.za is a nice hub um, we've got a great little community growing on Facebook and on Instagram but uh, if you've made it this far <laughs> you're awesome and if you want to take a moment if you really appreciate uh, please uh, write a review or give us a rating yeah. on your platform five stars that please you, <laughs> <laughs> that you're listening to now because that kind of stuff also just goes a long way um, but also, yeah. come to the Mario screening. Come to the Mario screening. Last little uh, pitch, which is um, Saturday, seventeenth of June. Yeah, and um, and come say hi. All right, sweet. Thank you, boys, Thank and you. we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye bye. Cheers.